everyone to the Soft Spot podcast. I have a very special guest, Esther McCant. She is a doula. She has agreed to do the interview today for us. So first, can you explain to anyone who doesn't know exactly what a doula is? Sure. So a doula is someone who is trained to be able to support a mother in the prenatal period before her birth, during her laboring process on a continual basis. So that means she kind of never leaves her side. And then in the postpartum period, the doula is there to provide support when it comes to breastfeeding, um, any addressing any needs that she might have in the postpartum period, making sure that she's recovering well. Um, and so that's pretty much what a doula does. Okay. So obviously doulas are very important within the birthing community, but can you explain how they help with the maternity, maternal mortality crisis that's currently going on within the black community primarily? Absolutely. So, um, that's a really good question because that's definitely the, the topic these days is how doulas are, are starting to be incorporated into um, the the, te- the team that a mom might have, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the team could include her provider, the nurses, um, and it absolutely should and can include the doula because the doula is going to be the one who initially is meeting this mom, building that rapport and that trust, spending lots more time than she would with the with an OB, right, on average, um, where, you know, visits could be as short as five to, you know, 15 minutes long. A doula is spending anywhere from an hour, two hours. I've heard of some doulas spending three hours in a prenatal session mm-hmm. um, and doing multiple prenatal sessions ahead of time. So they are able to address any of that, you know, the lifestyle changes that might need to happen. So they're hearing about the mom who might be struggling with, you know, finances and pointing them to resources to receive food and support and social services. Um, They are also the ones who actually listen in on red flags in their relationships, you know, and oftentimes I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, domestic violence is happening, you know, and I'm guiding a mom to, you know, not jump the ship, um, but also seek care and, and support and, and leave if she has to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to hear a lot of the other things that contribute to what I would say the stress, right? The stress that can negatively impact her birth outcome. So a lot of the times I think there's an assumption that once a mom is in labor, you know, all of her heart, soul, her mind is all there with her, right? And Although that may be true, when a mom is experiencing traumatic issues ahead of her birth or stressful issues, not having a way to, you know, get the means that she needs to provide for her baby, um, maybe there's some tension in her relationship, maybe she has to move, right? And I've moved like several times during Mm -hmm. pregnancy and it is a very scary thing. Um, And as a result, You have these moms who have low birth weight babies, their preterm labor kicks in. Um, You have moms who have experienced hypertension and it's doulas who are stressing to these moms, 
you know, let's find some ways to cope with this stress. Let's get you into therapy. Let's um, let's suggest some nutritional changes, right, in your diet so that you can still fight for a really good chance at the birth that you want to have. So I find myself in the role of a doula to be the one enhancing also the communication with their provider. So when things go out of my scope and they sound a little medical, mm -hmm. I can give my opinion based on my experience, but I always, always, always want the client to revert back to speaking to their provider, right? To keep them accountable for their medical care. So those are the ways in which we help. And of course, during the laboring process, we're physically there. We're physically there when the nurses are in and out of the room, you know, spending 20 minutes max at a time with the client and leaving her to herself the rest of the time. We're the ones coaching her, encouraging her, giving her words to uh, affirm herself and even her partner. Um, and we're the ones kind of staying on alert, you know, watching the baby's heart rate, um, helping her cope, helping her change positions. Um, and then in the postpartum period, I'm also the one looking out to see how is this, you know, bleeding going, you know, let's mm -hmm. look out for hemorrhage uh, signs, you know, and um, let's make sure there is proper attempts at breastfeeding so that not only does she get a chance to hormonally, hormonally, like get back into balance, but also provide an opportunity for her child to thrive as well. And that was an interesting point that you made about the OBs, like the five minute appointments. I feel like that lack of time that they spend definitely adds to the crisis. Um, I've had three children and I know those appointments are literally pee in a cup. Mm -hmm. Let me take your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. um, you're gaining too much weight and, you know, they're in and out within five minutes. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing personal about the appointment nothing finding out about you know are you eating well do you have any stresses so that's very interesting um that you brought up that point um when a family is looking for a doula if they're looking for services what are certain details that they should look at when they're trying to choose their doula absolutely so it's really all about connection you know i think about why families hire me in particular. And it has to do with that first impression, right? How comfortable are you able to make a family feel? Will they want you in the room and feel comfortable to kind of open up to you and have you in this very intimate and private moment in their lives? And so I ask for parents to maybe Google the questions, right? And mm -hmm. make sure you know that there is some training done um, I'm not going to lie. There are some women who are doulas and they didn't even know it. And they're more than qualified, but they have not maybe gotten certified. So I personally, you know, I did the training, but prior to the, the training, I actually was doula-ing, just didn't know that I was doing that uh, with a mm -hmm. particular uh, cousin of mine. Um, and this was, I mean, not even a year after my firstborn was born. And so... I think that training is absolutely important because that way you know professionally this person is serious, this person uh, takes their education and what they know uh, also very seriously. They take the, your investment in the service seriously, right? Um, and I think that without 
having that background in childbirth education is very challenging for a doula to provide timely support, right? Because that, that is the other portion, right? We provide emotional support, we provide physical support, but we also provide informational support. So you wanna walk away from that interview feeling like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. The other thing I would think is important is to know what their philosophy is. Are they hands-on? You know, are they really more so hands-off? What do you prefer? What would you envision seeing happening during your birthing process? And based on your conversation, is that something this doula is willing to do? You know, so one example could be, I've had some people ask this question, um, when I am in labor, will you come right away? Right. And that's a loaded question. Right. Because for me, mm -hmm. it depends on a lot of different variables for other doulas. It means, yes, I'm going to come no matter what. But I use a little bit of judgment before I can say yes to that question. It depends on where the labor is. You know, at what point is the labor um, getting more more uh, like progressing or speeding up? It also depends on. Um, if she's a first time mom, second time mom, right? Third time mm -hmm. mom. So there's a lot of things that I, I, I consider. I definitely would recommend these days to check into references, to Google people, to, I mean, look into uh, finding out more about them. Because if something you see is alarming online and, you, and you're not feeling that, you may not feel it if it shows up during your birthing process, you know, in that delivery room or, or at home if you're birthing at home. So um, that's what I think about when it comes to what parents need to look out for. Okay. Um, have you ever had to uh, maybe help families after a stillbirth or a miscarriage, do you the doulas provide services to the family? I guess bereavement services. Absolutely, there are uh, bereavement doulas. I personally am not technically one, but I will tell you this: a lot of my current clients have either had miscarriages or stillbirths, or um, you know. Uh, different complications like that. Some of them are IVF uh, clients who have had, you know, failed, you know, can't, uh, attempts at IVF. And so for those moms, it's a lot of emotional support. So what I do is I try to, you know, listen in on different uh, miscarriage, stillbirth groups and follow a lot of mental health therapists who work with uh, moms like those. And then I'll go ahead and I'll refer out to those mothers. I look into resources for them. I always point them to maybe Star Legacy Foundation as a resource. Um, and then lastly, again, professional development, very important. So I sat in on a, uh, a, a sensitivity seminar, right, to train myself on what to say what not to say to a mother like that um and i'd love to share an example so i had a mom who reached out to me and she booked me ahead of the 12 week you know gestation and i usually don't book that early um because in reality we know miscarriages can happen and i had a series of miscarriages happen with previous clients um, but I went ahead and I booked with her. She booked through a separate agency. 
And unfortunately, she did have a loss. And what she said, which was very intriguing to me, was that she still felt like there was a connection. She still felt like she wanted to, to move forward with me as a doula at some point, And that she believed in her heart that she would get pregnant again. And sure enough, not even a whole year later, she's pregnant. And <laughs> she's currently yeah. my client. So, you know, I believe in making those decisions very early when you're choosing a doula um, because we very well may be one of the people who can support you in, in the event that there is a loss, you know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, another thing I wanted to touch on was C-section. So that seems, I know like with my last child, my third son, because I had had a previous C-section, her automatic option was We're doing we're doing a repeat C-sections. We don't do vaginals after C-sections are done. So do you help women to kind of advocate to their doctor that they would prefer to go the vaginal route instead of going through a C-section again? Absolutely. Uh, I think that one of the biggest issues is that women don't often do their homework after the c-section to really find out where it's more likely for her to be able to have a successful vaginal birth after c-section of evac mm -hmm. and what i do when a woman approaches me and says that she wants one of those is during the consultation i ask about who her doctor is And locally, because, you know, I've been around and I know several of my doula colleagues and we talk and we share and I'm in different mommy groups, I know what names come up for, for VBAC-friendly doctors. And if her doctor is not one of those, then I listen in for some red flags, mm -hmm. you know, and I listen in for any hesitation that the doctor may have given her. And I, I give her advice on whether or not she needs to hang out with that person. And so it's not unlikely or unusual for a mom to, to call me and tell me she wants to do this whole VBAC thing. And I tell her, you probably need to switch doctors or you probably need to switch hospitals, you know? Right. So, yeah. And it, and it comes down to preparation a lot of the times, you know, and my, I love my VBAC moms. I love all my moms, <laughs> but my VBAC moms hold a special place because it's, it takes a lot of bravery to do something like that. You know, mm -hmm. and to say, hey, even though I'm used to this person or this doctor, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go somewhere else and get the bird that I want, you know. And so I just hats off to anybody who's doing a VBAC. Um, I just I just respect it so much. And I know it truly comes down to the provider. okay, and it comes down to the location. Right. Mm -hmm. And how supportive they are. So. Absolutely. Um, so another question. I know with my personal experience, like my first birth was what I would call traumatic. Have you ever had clients that come that maybe had like a horrible first experience birthing and they're maybe terrified for this second go round? How do you kind of ease them, ease their mind that this time will not be so traumatic? Absolutely. That's a really good question. So number one, I come with the energy that if there's anybody who wants them to have a wonderful birth experience, more than them is probably me. 
because one, I know I'm trained to do this. I know I have the confidence behind there um, to do it. And I also know that every story does not have to be the same. It could be one slight decision that could have changed everything in those traumatic stories. And what I do in the first visit after a mom books is we explore that, right? Well, first of all, in the consultation, we explore it and I share a little bit. And then by the time our first prenatal rolls around, we are exploring all of the different options that she had available to her. And what happens is, this is what I've seen, is clients are able to see, okay, this is why this happened. Well, I'm not going to let this happen again. Right. Right. And just because the mind shift has changed, has happened, like they don't make the same decisions anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot less fear just off of that first visit. And then come around the second visit as we, you know, pretty much go through and we role play the whole birthing process. There is confidence there. And I think that a lot of the times traumatic experiences happen, one, because of negligence, of different, I mean, on both parties, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm not going to sit here and say it's all the physician's fault or the nurse's fault or the hospital's fault. There is some uh, actual responsibility we all have to take, right, in terms of what we know and what we choose to know and advocate for period right you know and i think that uh, i i don't know if people will criticize me for that but i truly believe it it really has to be both of us working together our providers and myself me taking the time to read and learn about this process you know to respect the process to accept the process as it's happening Okay. Um, And so I think that without that happening too, it's hard to avoid trauma, but it's also hard to ignore trauma. So a lot of the times it's processing the trauma that's happened. And and a lot of the times too, it's not even just the birth experience that was traumatic. It's other stuff Mm -hmm. that influenced how that mom dealt with stress or anxiety in the process. You know, has she ever had the ability to cope with stress and have that resilience, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's not it's not it's not time for us to, to test that out during labor. So I'm all about trying to get the mom's mindset ready to go beforehand. And so if that means, hey, there's some stuff out of my scope here, you need to talk to a mental health therapist. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually include it in some of my packages. Oh, wow. Okay. Because that's how important it is. It is. I you agree. Know? And you're absolutely right. Your point that it, it is both parties' um, responsibility. Um, with me, I was young. And what I did, I waited until the absolutely last minute to schedule, like, my birthing classes and what happened is my blood pressure skyrocketed, so I never made it to that class, even though everyone had been saying, you need to take it earlier, you need to take it earlier. I did not listen. Mm-hmm. And I contributed to that by not being aware of the process and everything that was going on. And mm-hmm. I also, you know, 
did not do any research on being induced and Mm -hmm. how that can work out for me. But um, do you promote like unmedicated labors or do you support the moms who also like to do epidurals? Absolutely. So as a doula, it's not my role to, you know, um, advocate for anything different than what the mom wants. Mm -hmm. Right. So if she wants an epidural, absolutely. I'm down with it. Right. But guess what? We're going to, we're not going to do the epidural the second she walks into the hospital, Mm -hmm. unless we know she's far along and we are going to minimize the risk that she's going to slow down her labor. Right. So in the event that a mom doesn't get a chance to do childbirth education, because I've had moms book me the day before, (laughs) you know, the day of. Uh Um, So, for example, I had a mom interview me at three o'clock on a Monday, 355. She's like, yeah, I want to book you. 430. Her husband texts me and he's like, yeah, I think she's in labor. And I'm like, "Okay, call back real fast. Like. (laughs) Do you want me to come now? I'm just cooking dinner for my family, but I can be there. Right. Like, no, don't worry about it. And I'm also like, did we sign a contract? Like, did they pay it? Right, right. <laughs> and then 6.30, he calls and he's like, no, yeah, we need you to come. 7 o'clock, okay, I get to her house. And then by 8 o'clock, we're at the, we're at the hospital, right? Oh, wow. And this is a mom who had expressed during our call, during the interview, that she wants an epidural. So for me, I don't know her that well. So I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to assume that it's probably time. And sure enough, she was seven, eight centimeters. So it was definitely time. But but due to a random error in her IV, the anesthesiologist made it in the room, was waiting and ready to go, but the IV was messed up or something like that. So she ended up not getting the epidural. And here's the thing about doulas. We're kind of like oxytocin production, like makers, right? In a Mm -hmm. sense. So we can actually help a mom avoid the epidural if she doesn't want to. And so in that moment where she has to think about, okay, I really wanted the epidural. I don't know if I can do this, Esther. (laughs) I tell her, hey, what you're experiencing right now is probably just about as much as you really experience moving forward Mm -hmm. and she tells me you know looking back she's like I needed you to say that (laughs) because (laughs) that's what I needed to hear was to know that I could I could do it as long as I was doing it you know and she really was she was very calm she wasn't screaming she wasn't hollering she was nowhere near I where I would say a woman is suffering and she feels like she needs to get the epidural, you know, even Mm -hmm. though that was her intention. So there's times where that could be articulated. That's what I want. But it's not really what they need in the moment. And so, I mean, if she if it was meant to be for her to have one, there would have been nothing wrong with that IV. She would have had that epidural. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. and shortly after she had her baby. I mean, very shortly after, like probably 45 minutes after that. Wow. Yep. So have you personally experienced any scary or difficult moments that have happened during the birthing process? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked me this question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So recently, and the mom actually posted about it, but recently I had an experience where 
mother was planning to labor a little bit at the hospital so she was able to do that in water for a little while and then she ended up having her baby everything was fine but immediately postpartum i noticed that there was a lot of bleeding and it was a lot more than i'm used to seeing and mm-hmm. it seemed like there was some confusion amongst the nurses about how much blood was lost. And so I'm watching my client, I'm watching her partner who's also puzzled that they're confused. And I'm also watching the tone in the room where they're kind of carrying on like, you know, like it's funny. (laughs) And I was just like, "Mm, no, this isn't funny. And so I asked one of the nurses, hey, is she going to get a IV or like fluid because she just lost all this blood and she's like no like the Pitocin is her IV and I was like no it's not because <laughs> it's oh not my Pitocin is not IV fluid and right. so she ended up kind of ignoring me and I was like oh okay so then they they were stitching her up and that's where they saw all the blood loss and everything but they still left the room and everything like that. And so before they left the room, actually, I said to my client, listen, if you feel some kind of way and you feel woozy or dizzy or whatever, I need you to be vocal with me Mm -hmm. and let me know, let us know, right? So we can take care of you. They walk out of the room and like, not even a minute past, I asked her real quick, how do you feel? And she says, I feel dizzy. I feel lightheaded. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, I'm going to push this nurse's button. And then I was like, I'm not even going to wait on the nurses to come in. I'm going to go out to the nurse's desk, to the nurse's station, and speak to the midwives, speak to the nurses, and tell them to come back in the room. And so I did. And I just didn't care for the hesitation, (laughs) to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But they made it in the room, and they realized, oh, wow, yeah, she does need an IV. And oh wow, yeah, she needs a blood transfusion and another one. It was just ridiculous that that, that had is... to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and that's terrifying. It is. It was absolutely terrifying. And meanwhile, husband is nervous, scared, like he just I mean, almost in tears and he was just like, "Thank you for being there." Like, "Thank you." Like, if you weren't here like it was just one of those moments and that had never happened ever before in my career. And I'm just like, I can't believe that almost happened. (laughs) And see that point in itself, it just shows why doulas are so important in the birthing community. Cause that could have potentially turned into a tragedy for that young lady. Um, So it's, pretty obvious that we we need doulas within the 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 birthing community but what words of advice do you have for some women who maybe have been thinking about it or being a doula is on their radar but they're kind of scared to take that next step or they don't have that confidence do you have any words of encouragement for those ladies oh yes absolutely it's such a good question so what i would say to those ladies is make room for this work a lot of the times the fear the hesitation 
comes from us feeling like we don't have room for it, right? And so you have to start taking steps to make room for it. And one of the easiest ways to do it doesn't cost you anything. It's going to get your confidence up right away is to get mentorship. So I remember getting trained. I had a wonderful trainer, fantastic, still keep in touch with her today, had a mentorship program, um, and it wasn't everything I needed. I needed a mentor. I needed a business coach. I needed somebody to kind of push me and organize my life, right, and organize this business for me. And without that, I don't think I would be where I am today. And without that, I don't think I would have the passion now to do that with other women. So I have a mentorship program and that's exactly what I do is push these women to see that these little baby steps, they add up over the years. They do. And you don't have to limit yourself to thinking that you want to be this doula, the next doula that you saw. You can make it whatever you want to make it. So, you know, I'm not in the field of like the bereavement doula. You know, or, you know, we have even abortion. Doulas. We have all these different types of doulas. We have sex doulas. We have all these different types of doulas. But I'm in the I'm in the business of doing what I'm passionate and called to do. So a lot of childbirth education comes in for me. Right. So I stress that in the mentorship program that you need to know your stuff, whatever it is you're going to teach, whatever it is you're going to support a mom with. You need to know your stuff. And so I walk women through that um, through several months, um, some of them longer than others, uh, because it's all about making room, making time for it, you know. But I just I would recommend that you don't be afraid. And at the very least, start with the mentor. Start with somebody who you can talk to about which program to get trained under, you know, maybe um, talk about the different pathways that you can take. Right. Because you can be a postpartum doula. You could be all different types of doulas if you'd like. Um, and then also even strategize on what other specialty, you know, training you'll probably need to get. So I have the CLC designation, which was big. It was big for me booking more birth doula clients because they wanted to know the person who was going to help them with breastfeeding afterwards, you know. So I would just say, start with that. Start with the mentor. Start with getting some support in that direction and start making room for it in your calendar, you know, in in your heart, in your mind. You know what I'm saying? And watch it flow in. <laughs> just watch it. Absolutely. So since you do offer a mentorship program, do you want to... Um, give out your social media, your website, in case there's anyone that wants to reach out, make contact with you? Absolutely. So you can check me out on MetroMommyAgency.com. That's mommy spelled like M-O-M-M-Y. And you can also reach out on Facebook at MetroMommyAgency.inc. I'm trying to get the ink off, but Facebook hasn't changed it yet. <laughs> and then you can also reach out on IG at ICANDULA. So that's I-C-A-N-D-O-U-L-A. Okay. I want to thank you so much, Esther, for being my guest and doing this on such short notice. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate you for doing this work. Thank you.
Thank you guys for joining in to the Soft Spot Podcast. Thank you.